Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, well, we are starting a new series today, and um, I'm, uh, I'm excited about, I'm always excited about our series. I know I say that every single time we're starting a series, but this one is special because this is a series about your identity, about who you are. Uh, our youth right now are going through some awesome material uh, called Prime, and I think we need to make it available to some of our adults who might be interested in it because it is such high-quality material. Um, as we start, I want to I just re-say something I know our teens have heard in the, in the program they're doing right now. It's this. You can either choose your worldview or your worldview will happen to you. And as we are looking around us right now, seeing the things we're seeing, um, if you are addicted to your social media feed, you're probably dealing with a high level of anxiety most days. Uh, there's, just, there's just a lot, of, a lot of frustration in the world around us. And um, I, want, I want to remind you today that as human beings, we often don't do well defining ourselves based on how we feel today. And I had a few interesting conversations in the past uh, couple weeks, but uh, this week I spent a little bit of time with Ben, and he brought up a message I had shared a while ago, and I wasn't really planning on making it a part of today, but I think it's worth, it's worth saying as we launch this conversation. Um, the title of, of our series is called, This is Who I Am. This is Who I Am, and the title of today's message deals with acceptance. The fact of the matter is, is you are, you're accepted. If you've bent your will, if you follow Jesus, you, a part of who you now are is defined by that word, accepted. But I want to start with this. Have you ever noticed when you're dealing with your kids that, you know, you're trying to conform their character, we're, we're trying to help our kids go a certain way, because left to their own devices, two-year-olds will put forks in wall outlets, and that, right, they'll learn things the hard way. They will do too much and fall downstairs. Uh, I mean, one of our jobs as parents is definitely to help place guardrails and certain securities around our children as we go. And, and that is, in fact, discipline. That is giving structure to a little kingdom that is defining its own will, its own way in the world. And, and that structure, as you know, as parents, as, well, not even as parents, as teenagers, even as children, some of you know this, it's so, so very important but here is what I want to share. I shared with you a message about a struggle I had with depression, suicide. This would have been maybe a year and a half, two years ago at this point. And I want to just, Ben asked me a really important question this week. And he said, you know, you, you shared about that, but you haven't really taken the time to share since you've had some rest, since you've recovered uh, a bit. And, and he's right, I, I haven't. And so here's what I want to say. When we are stuck in a moment, when we are in a point of frustration, a point of hopelessness, a point of loss, mourning, devastation, uh, even happiness, these things are all relative to the level of rest that we find ourselves in. And it's kind of a difficult situation because the more frustrated, the more tired, the more worn down we become, the less rested we're able to be. How many of you know this to be true? Okay, yeah, there's a lot of nodding going on. Um, because of that, it becomes pointless, if I can use your kids and my kids as an example. There comes a point in people's tiredness where there's simply no point in talking to them anymore, right? 
I don't know, I don't know about you, but there comes a point when I'm watching my one son, I won't say his name, but it starts with a J, um, where he has got to get an assignment done for school, but now it's late at night, and there comes a point where it's just, kid, you got to go to bed now. And I know we threaten to take football away. We're all like, we are, we are commando parents sometimes. Um, we, we, have to, we have to continue placing structure, discipline, help, and hope around our kids. But there comes this place where there is just no reception going on. The, uh, the, the neural pathways of the human brain can only operate so long without the appropriate amount of rest. And there comes to this, it comes to this point where it's just, just shut everything down and go to bed. We'll figure this out in the morning. I want you to know today that as we embark on this message, as we embark on this little series, you will not be able to hear who God says you are if you refuse to come to a place of rest. And the reason I share that with you is because I, as I processed through one of the difficult stages of my life and have now, the, now have the, the ability to look back on it and understand and contemplate and think, I can do that because I'm doing it from a place of rest that I wasn't in before. And I want you to hear this this morning. You're, you are not receptive to who God says you are if you refuse just to lay down. If you think you can be the sheep that can run and run and run and you don't need to stop and you don't need to rest and you don't need to lay down the things that are consuming you, you will not hear effectively from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying God won't speak to you. I'm just saying your brain, your soul, your spirit is nowhere near as receptive if you're not coming to this from a place of rest. So the first prescription I have for you this morning, the first pastoral prescription is, would you please stop? Some of you just need to turn off Facebook. Just stop. Turn it off. Shut it down. The things that are causing you anxiety in your life, you need to find a way to silence them and not pay attention to them because what that has become in your life is called an idol. And you are, you are whether you want to, whether you like to or not, you are worshiping at the feet of a God that you have made with your own hands, your own philosophy, your own worldview. And it's so hard for us to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us when we find ourselves in that place. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, there was no rest for that man, for that woman, until they came to Jesus. And I think some of us want rest, and we want relief from the strain and the stress and the things that are bothering us, but we don't want to come to Jesus first. You will never know who you are in Christ if you don't come to Him. Now I want to give you a whole pile of Scripture to cement this this morning. Is that okay with you? All right. This is who I am. Now, some of you might even be familiar with some of this because there is some wonderful old material by a guy named Neil T. Anderson who has, uh, has done some great work. And I think he's still alive. Is he still alive? He must be. I haven't heard of others. Sean Connery, on the other hand, is dead. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I know. It, I actually was sad about that. And I actually contemplated doing the whole service today with a bit of a Sean Connery, but I'm not going to. Still, 
I'm still going off of the send it, let's go thing. Um, 1 John 1, 12 and 13. Would you just say that with me this morning? 1 John 1, 12 and 13. Okay. Now, you should just make a note of this and study this some more because we cannot, we cannot talk to you about all of it at once. We can't, as much as I might like to try, I cannot cram all of this into the brown paper bag that is your, your heart this morning. Here's what it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1, 12 and 13, here's what I want you to take away. It is your right to be a child of God. It's your right. We live in a world right now where our rights are being challenged. You may or may not feel that way, and that's fine. Um, but our rights are being challenged, and that's a huge part of the conversation. And, you know, a lot of people think a lot of things are their rights, but they're not. It's their privilege. But the Scripture says in John 1, 12 and 13, that to those who received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. I don't know about you, but I find that profound and wonderful at the same time. It is my right to be a child of God now because of Jesus. The most important thing any one of us can do, any one of us, our kids can do, is to receive Jesus. As many as received Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. It's your right. And it is divine in its nature. All right, John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants. Sorry, media team, you're just going to have to stick with me. Uh, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. John 15, 15, you are no longer servants. The NASB, the King James, the Berean, uh, I think even the contemporary English version, many of them say, you are no longer called slaves because a slave does not know his master's business. And, and I admit, I chose the NIV this morning because servant is a slightly softer word than slave, but here is a fact. We are all in slavery to something. We're all bound up in slavery to something. And I want you to know that the work that Jesus does in who you are is he lifts that title off of you altogether. He lifts it off of you. I no longer will call you a slave. I'll no longer call you a servant, but I'm now I'm calling you my friend. What, a, what an amazing thing that Jesus lifts the title of enslaved from us. I love it. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a few things I could say about this, um, but I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to go with. Um, why don't you act like you have more peace with God? And I know that I know that probably comes across really direct and really hard, but I'd like you to ask the question of yourself: Why don't I have more peace with God?
I want you to remember this. You have been justified by faith. You've been justified by faith, and there is nothing else you can do. There's nothing else you can do to make that justification more real. You, you are. It's, it's who you are. It's, there has been a change. If, man, if the whole church, if the whole world could just understand this, there has been a change in your identity. The biblical word for this is actually metamorphosis. There has been a restructuring, a change. You are not a new species. You are just the best version of the species. Right? A tadpole is still a frog. It's just not a frog yet. But through the process of metamorphosis, we see a frog. Well, I guess a butterfly is a better example because they're prettier, right? I'm going with frogs. Because <clears throat> some days, you know, that's how our best is. It's froggish at best. But that word metamorphosis is powerful. But you have been justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So stop trying to justify your standing by anything else. I see a lot of people that try to justify their standing with theology, with finances. It's, it doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. It, it, your level of understanding doesn't change who you are to God. And I want you to know your level of understanding doesn't change who you are to me. We need to stop trying to justify who we are in that way. We're justified by faith and we have peace with God because of it. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Um, now this is, this, is a great, this is a great verse. This is so simple and so beautiful. One of my favorites. But the one who joins himself, everyone say joins himself. The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And I want you to know that there's a Greek word for this, and it is uh, kolomenos. Kolomenos. Maybe it's kolumenos. I'm, I'm actually not sure right now. Uh, but kolomenos, and it is the word. It's, this is such a simple act. And, 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 and maybe, maybe in this message series of who I am, what we're trying to do is, is just come back to this real simple, simple understanding of who we are in Christ. Because that's the best understanding, is the simple one. But this word kolomenos only is used twice in the New Testament. And it's used in this passage, in this verse right here, um, to, to unite yourself, to join yourself to the Lord and His one spirit with Him. The other place that it's used is when one joins himself to a prostitute. How's that for <laughs> contrast? You're either one who joins himself to the Lord or you're one who joins oneself to a prostitute. Same word, only used twice in the entire New Testament. Of course, the root word of this is used many more times, but this specific word, and I want you to know, here's why I'm telling you this. The truth is, is uniting yourself with the Lord is as simple a decision as sinning. I think sometimes we complicate coming to Jesus. And, and what, what we need to understand from Scripture is that coming to Jesus is actually as easy as it was for you to sin. 
You can be united in sin or you can be united with Jesus. It's the same word. It's the same process. As far as it depends on you. And I know that creates some problems for us since our uniting with Jesus seems to be a lot smaller than our uniting with other things. But it's because we don't always understand who we are. See, when I understand the inherent value that is on my life because of what Jesus has done, it changes the way I see opportunity in the world. If I think nothing of myself, I will always believe that the world has a solution for me. But if I understand that what he thinks of myself is the, va- is, is the very most important thing, I make different choices. And you will too. Um, <clears throat> being joined to the Lord is as easy as someone joining themselves to sin. The next time you feel like sinning, just remember that. You can just as easily in that moment turn to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. I just want to ask you this question. What is the value of innocent blood? What's, what's it worth? Put a price on it for me. Let, let me... Let me drive it really deep into your heart. Take your favorite child. I know you all have one. You don't have to tell your kids which is which. Just kidding, kids. Mommy and daddy love you. Uh, But but what's that life worth? You can't put a price on it. Thank you, Ed. And how much more can we not put a price on the innocent blood of Jesus? You see, that's the price you were bought with. You can't put a value on this thing. It's impossible to put a value on this. And because of that, it's hard to put a value on who who you are because if you were bought with a priceless price, aren't you now also priceless? You see, where we struggle is that we choose to sell ourselves out for a value that is significantly less than we are. Anger, malice, strife, anxiety, hatred, division, disunity, disloyalty, all of those things. All of those things. You were bought for a a price or with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. Glorify God with the breath you have today. Glorify God when you make love to your wife. Glorify God when you discipline your children. Glorify God when you hug your children. Glorify God when you eat Chinese food. Just in as much as you're doing anything, do it to the glory of God. Because you were bought with a price. And you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you need to work at it like you work. Some of you are so good. You're diligent. You take care of your yard. Can you imagine if you took care of your spirit, man, the way you take care of your yard? Some of you should not take care of your spirit, man, the way you take care of your yard, though. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. All right? Take care of it like your little old neighbor lady takes care of her yard. Okay? Um, I'm just teasing. Come on, guys. 
You've been bought the price, therefore glorify. In everything you do, glorify God in your body. Because the value of you, it, it's, <laughs> there, there, there is no amount that is the right amount. It will never be enough to pay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And I love this because you are Christ's body, so the whole. But then it speaks to the individual. That you individually are members of it. You are Christ's body, yet you are individually members of Christ's body. And I just, I love this. Uh, leadership uh, blog went out from me this week, or is coming out this week, I'm not too sure. But talking about uh, the appointment versus the calling of your life. You know, being a part of the body of Christ is you will have different appointments in the body of Christ throughout your life, throughout your time. Sometimes even throughout the same day. And, I, and for, once in a while, I hear people talk about how, well, you know, my life could be for noble purposes or ignoble purposes. Yeah, but only for a moment, actually. One minute, God might, God might use you to raise someone from the dead or heal the sick or open blind eyes or, or sing the most beautiful song. The next minute, he might use you to scrub a toilet. The appointment changes. And God does what he wants to with our lives. Just know that. Know that following Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be a vessel to be spit in or used for ignoble purposes. It means from time to time you're going to serve in the less than glorious things. And sometimes you will serve in things that are wonderful. But you're Christ's body, so live like you are. Live like you are his body. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Those of you who are going through financial hardship right now, well, I thought God was going to bless me. He is. He is blessing you. The Bible says in the heavenly places. So, so just please stop looking at your bank account thinking that's how God was only going to bless you. It's not how it works. Um, so just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. You could, take, you could probably take a month and meditate on those five verses. A month. Because, like, what, 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 are, what are the benefits according to the riches of his grace that he lavishes on you? You understand that word lavish? Does it mean he just sprinkles it lightly? Does it mean he sows it sparingly? No. Lavish is to spill it on you, to pour it on you, wave over wave, like wind that is relentless in its pressure. It's just always coming. He lavishes his riches, the riches of his grace on us. In wisdom and insight. 
God sees into the places of your heart that are broken, that are wounded, that are frustrated. And he is putting his riches into your life according to the insight he has of who you are. So wouldn't we be in a better position mentally if we understood who we are according to him? Are you catching what I'm saying? Who I am, I'm accepted. And I don't need to be anything more than accepted by Jesus. That alone is enough. And if something flows out of that in my life, in the days I have left in this world, that's a beautiful and amazing and a wonderful and a right thing. But for me to fret and worry and be concerned and suffer anxiety... Trying to be anything more than he says I am is a futile waste of the time he's given me. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know, that phrase, you're adopted, has got to be the sweetest words ever spoken to the fatherless. You are adopted. I have some friends who are going through the process of adoption right now. And I just, I wish, I wish I could be there in the moment where the children are, in the moment that that reality becomes. You know what I mean? In, we, all, we, we can dream of it. We can hope for it. We can endure suffering knowing that one day it's going to happen, all those things. But that moment when it is fully realized, what an amazing reality of identity we move into. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption, which is the forgiveness of sin. Why this matters to who you are is that oftentimes what we see in the patterns of people is they sin and then they sin again the same way. But I want to remind you what Jesus said to a certain woman. He said, woman, who, who is here to condemn you? She says, well, no one, Lord. Because Jesus kind of kicked their butts in the debate. And Jesus' response to her is what? Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I think we look at that story in Scripture, and I think we look at a verse like this, and we become convinced somehow in our mind that we will always be sinners. But can I just point out a really, forgive me for being so simplistic about this, but can anybody in this room make it one second without sinning? Come on, do me a favor. If you think you can, just put up your hand. Okay, we got some kids who know they can. Every adult in this room, you should be able to put up your hand. I hope somebody loved you enough to discipline you some point in your life that you can make it one complete second without sinning. 
Okay, now, I know this is harder, but who thinks they maybe could make it, with Jesus' help, 30 seconds without sitting? Yeah, you, you actually can. Okay, well, if, if you can make it a half a minute, what about a minute? Anybody? I know it's getting hard. I do know that. But if you can go a minute, why can't you go an hour? See, there is a spiritual pride from hell that convinces some of those who follow Jesus that they will always be sinners, that they will never be able to make it as much as an hour without sinning somehow in their heart, without sinning somehow in their mind, without sinning somehow in their flesh. And I have to tell you, this is simply not the truth. In him, the beloved son of God, we have absolute redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus' very simple instruction to the woman caught in adultery was, I'm not going to condemn you either, so go and don't sin anymore. I think that if we really understood that metamorphosis, what has happened to you because of the cross, we might live in a different reality with regard to our sin relationship. Who I am is a redeemed son of God. A redeemed, adopted, forgiven son of God. And I believe that we can go without sinning. Maybe not for 40 years. But if a second, a minute, if a minute, an hour, if an hour, a day, And let me build on that with this next comment in the next verse. Colossians 2, 8-10. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men. Someone say tradition of men. According to the elementary principles of the world. Does God really exist? That's an elementary principle of the world. Rather than according to Christ. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells all fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. What have you been made in him? Come on, more than two people got to say this. In him you have been made half done. No, in him you've been made complete. Do you believe in an, er in an inerrant word of God? See, it's funny when it comes to our identity, we allow ourselves to have some, well, you know, I'm just not there yet. Um, if the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form now lives in you, trust me, you're complete. In him you've been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and all authority. When he is the head over all rule and all authority, he alone is the one who can say who and what you are. So here's my note for you today. You are already complete, so stop it. Stop it. Stop trying to prove your, your, your might by acquiring more. Stop trying to approve your value, to, to prove your value, to increase your value by being right about something more often. You're not going to make yourself better or more mature by trying to become more mature. 
Anybody seen this in a human child before? Right? I have kids who are trying to be way older than they are. So do you. Right? Does that make them more mature? When my 12-year-old tries to act like an 18-year-old, it doesn't make her more mature. She's still as mature as she is and as wonderful as she is. And she doesn't need to be more mature than that for God to use her or do something amazing in her life. She just needs to be where she's at. But sometimes we get sucked into this ideology that if we, can, if we can work ourselves, if we can steward ourselves, if we can do and do and do, if we can become, if we can read more, if we can increase our knowledge, our knowledge will somehow make us more mature. But that's not how it works. You see, because maturity follows doing and being more than it follows knowing. Maturity follows doing and being more than it follows Knowing. Um, Johan one time tried to explain to me a certain procedure he does often. Uh, I think it's called a Whipple, right? Whipple's kind of like, it's a high-stakes game. Because you're working around organs, like hand grenade organs. One wrong slip and just, I imagine, just poof. Things go real bad. Um, and, I, and I actually, th- I think about this when I, when I think about this passage. How maturity has to it, maturity who we are, the, the fact that we're complete not because we gain knowledge, but because we become. We allow maturity to work itself in us, to bring us to maturity. I think about the first time Joe must have done, Dr. Bolton, sorry, must have done his very, very first Whipple. And I think that, that must have been interesting. I mean, he's a cool guy. He's, he's, he's like, stress is not a big deal for him, I don't think. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure the first one was a lot trickier than the hundredth. See, because maturity comes to us as we progress and as we do, not as we try to cram stuff into our brain. And we just need to become comfortable with that because you're complete. If today is your last day on earth, don't worry. You are cooked enough. You're done enough for Jesus. And if tomorrow, if, if tomorrow we're blessed with more life, by the end of tomorrow, you'll be just as complete as you need to be for Jesus. So stop striving after the, this pursuit of knowledge. In fact, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. The Greek word for that is fusio. I always remember it because fusio just sounds like a puffed up word. Fusio. Puffed up by knowledge. How about this? Jesus gained favor with God and men. Why? Because he was full of knowledge? No, when that was said about him, what was he found doing? He was in the temple, and when his parents scolded him, son, you took off with, oh, telling us, we found you in the temple. We were three days away from here. We had to walk all the way back to find you sitting in the temple, preaching and teaching. Jesus' response was, well, I'm doing my father's business. It's the doing, guys. It's the being, the living your life, doing what the Holy Spirit puts in front of you today that matures you. It's what completes you. You don't need to do a whole lot more than that, trust me. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, this is the last one. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, Jesus gets it. Jesus Jesus gets the shame and the scorn you feel right now. You think that COVID stress is bad. Jesus walked the earth in a time where leprosy had no cure other than miraculous cures. And without shame or fear, Jesus would walk up and love a leper. Can you imagine if we had social media, what social media would have done to Jesus as he walked the earth? It would have been crazy. I mean, there would have been fans for sure. You know, there would have been great followers and, and people who were loving it too. But, I mean, can you imagine? It doesn't matter if you can imagine or not. Jesus understands social shame. He, he does. I love the book of Hebrews for this, if nothing else, for this. We have a high priest who literally identifies with every weakness we have. Yet, he didn't sin. And therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why do you lack confidence? Do you think that you're going to surprise Jesus with what you've been thinking? (laughs) Do you? Well, Lord, I don't know if you know this about me, but, uh, and I think, by the way, that when we do that, because we do, I, th- I think God's willing to listen to us, just to be clear. But he, just so you know, he does know what, you, what you've been dealing with. He does. And he said, he's standing there saying, you're just as much my son, just as much my daughter. You're just as much the image bearer of Jesus. You're just as much filled with the Holy Spirit. You're just as much as I said you were from the beginning. Who am I? Well, this is who I am. I'm an accepted child of God. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Filled with his Holy Spirit. Who helps me know what to do. Who helps me to pray when I don't know what to pray? Who inspires me to holy living, reminding me that I'm his temple? He speaks to me in the quiet hours when I'm willing to quiet myself about the plans he has for me in my future. He speaks to me about the joy that's coming and the hope that's worth holding on to. Because he knows my Intimate and inward parts. He's not surprised by the things I think. He's not surprised by the things I say. He's not ever surprised by the things I do. And yet, he gives me the approval of a perfect God because his son adopted me. The most important question you should answer today is, 
the who am I question. And my hope is that as you read through these verses, you will be filled with the confidence that the Word of God can only bring to say, this is who I am. This is who I am. Some of you might need to come to the front this morning and receive prayer because you don't have it within yourself to say those words. So you need someone to stand with you and say those words. You know, just throwing Bible at the issues of your life is not going to be what helps you. It's the living out in community, the process of community. You are the body of Christ, yet individually members of it. When I walked through my darkest time, it wasn't throwing Bible at it that was the solution. It was speaking out the lie and having people I trusted with my life encounter that lie with truth. Yes, they used the Bible a lot. But it wasn't flippant. You see, it was that relationship that gave me a moment to rest from my struggle so that I could hear again what God had to say about me. And that's what it looks like to walk through struggle and no rest. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to sing that last song again, then sings my soul. And uh, if, you, if you need prayer this morning, all of our prayer team uh, has, has masks and, and uh, of course, we'll, we observe the social distancing protocols and all those things. And you are allowed to come in a cohort, just so you know. Um, but this morning, I wouldn't want any one of you to leave this place without having the opportunity to have God speak into your life. And so as we sing this song, just like we always do, you can come forward and receive prayer. But I want you once again today, ask this question, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to take away today? What do you want me to do with what I've heard? Don't be just a hearer of God's word today. But be an effectual doer of what you heard. Would you stand and allow me to pray for you right now? And let's start with this prayer, this just opening ourselves up to what, what he might say to us this morning with the words. You pray them in your mind, pray them out loud, whatever you're comfortable with. But let's start with this. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? Lord, speak to us. And now, Lord, in the moment that we have in your presence here, as we've asked for you to speak to us, Jesus, I pray that even now, Lord, you would begin to put a blessing on every heart that is bending itself towards you. Like a flower that turns to follow the sun, God. Would you let the reality of who you say we are penetrate our philosophies, our doctrines, our views. Jesus, we need you. We're never going to be ashamed to declare how much we need you. Lord, I pray that you would encourage each one here that might need to respond today. thank you for the cross. We thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you that we are accepted and that the acceptance you have for us is good enough. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.